What's going on, everybody? I'm Brandon Frenio. Joined by me is our special guest, Rohan, and our boy, Dion, not a game podcast himself. And we're waiting for my co-host, Christian. I don't know where he's at right now, but he should be joining right now. Um, but let's go ahead and get on to it. Um, we got Four Niners Tramps started yesterday. We're excited. Trey Lance QB1. Uh, Rohan, I know you've been at training camp the past two days. Um, my question is, how does Trey look so far? I know it's just the second day and no pads or anything, but how does he look? And how are how is our offensive line looking so far? Yeah, I mean, we start off with Trey Lance, right? The the most important kind of topic. Trey Lance first day looked all right. Nine of eleven passing. Uh, but the 49ers didn't really have much of an install. Most of the passes were 10 yards or under. A lot of uh, action towards tight ends, a lot of action towards running backs yesterday. You saw tight ends like Tyler uh, Tyler Croft, Tanner Hudson, uh, George Kittle, obviously, and Jordan Matthews all be in the mix yesterday. Today, completely different game plan, completely different install. Uh, the 49ers stretched the field a lot more. You saw passes to all levels of the field. Trey Lance, a little more rusty. Uh, on day two, he finished the day six of 14. Um, but something that I mentioned today, both on stream and in spaces, accuracy and completion percentage are not the same. I'll get on that in a minute. But overall, Lance, six of 14 today, uh, had a couple of poor throws, a couple of good throws that didn't end up uh, being completions, and then a couple of good throws altogether. I personally thought it was a fine day by Lance, despite the incompletion percentage. And the one thing I want to stress, guys, even though that when you look at the number, under 50% completion percentage, Trey Lance today had three throws that were uh, of uh, like pretty deep throws, a 35-yard out uh, to Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk uh, just had it at the catch point. Manuel Mosley pinned him to the sideline. Then as Brandon Ayuk is coming down, Mosley swats it out of his hands. That was a good ball by Lance. I thought it was good placement. Second one is a 40-yard out. Uh, to the right sideline to Jawan Jennings with Ward, Traverius Ward in coverage. Jawan Jennings had it, couldn't corral it when he came down. It was another nicely placed ball by Lance, a 40-yard deep ball. Ward knocks it out, had a PBU on that play. And then the third one was Ray-Ray McLeod going towards the right sideline, um, near the right sideline, 17-yard play. War, uh, Lance bullets it in, but Talano Hufanga just made a good play on it, made a great break, got a deflection, and uh, a an, uh, an incompletion there. So again, there are caveats to those plays, but Lance looked good overall. That's good. That's good. Oh, uh, uh, offensive line. Play. Yeah, uh, you said offensive line as well. Uh, the second part about the offensive line. Yesterday they were all right. Uh, not uh, nothing special really, but nothing too poor. The main caveat uh, that we saw was Spencer Burford. First team. He took all the first team reps at right guard. The reason being. Daniel Brunskill, the 49ers want to try at center. He's been taking only center reps. And Jalen Moore, uh, due to Mike McGlinchey uh, being out, well, he's not out, right? He's practicing in team drills, but he does not practice in the scrimmages. Due to the lack of depth at right tackle, Jalen Moore has taken all the first team right tackle snaps in scrimmages. Hasn't looked really that great, if we're being honest, at right tackle. I think he's more of a guard. But that's the main thing that we saw on day one. Today, Defensive line definitely dominated, but then again, the one thing that we have to notice is this is without pads. Defensive line is bound to dominate without pads, but they ultra-dominated today. Nick Bosa and Drake Jackson were the guys that really had the uh, the best days uh, out of the group with our Armstead out. Yesterday it was Armstead. Today it was those two. Strong day by the defensive line. Not really a great day for the offensive line today. But those, that, that, that's awesome, man. Um, not nice to meet you, Rohan. I've seen you a couple of times on Breezy's show. Now, how do you say your last name? Chakravarti. Chakravarti. Okay, cool. Easy, easy that, to pronounce. Good. Good. Indian, I Indian descent. That. I don't know why. I'm weird. I'm yes, weird sir. like that. I like foreign names, cool. but I want to make sure I pronounce them correctly if I ever say it, so I don't butcher it. Um, great assessments overall, man. The only thing I don't like is hearing Daniel Brunskill at center. I, 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 no, mm-hmm. no, 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 yeah. not again. No. And I knew Kyle was going to do this. 
And he said it in the press conference before camp even started. And it broke my heart because I'm like, Brendel and Lance have the continuity already built. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Daniel Brunskill was not a great center in 2020. He filled in and he did his job, but he just did that. You know, so for me, uh, it's really going to kill me that, you know, he keeps doing this. And I knew he was going to do that. I don't know what it is about Jake Brindle that doesn't say, hey, this is the guy. But the past couple of days, has Daniel Brunskill has been our center, correct? Uh, no, no. Brendel has been the starter. Uh, he started both days at center. However, Brunskill has been – he's been the second-team guy to start, but Brunskill has been sprinkled in with the ones uh, for some run during scrimmages. Yesterday, it was Brendel Brunskill. Um, today, it was Brendel starting. Brunskill got sprinkled in, and then Brendel came in towards the end at center as well. Okay. Because um, – and, and- – People out there watching, take this with a grain of salt. This is not the true starting offensive line. They're only doing either seven on sevens. I know today they did 11 on 11s, correct? Correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is not the real starting offensive line, okay? No. When Trent Williams and, and – I, because I – tell me if you agree with this, Rohan, because I've been saying this for a while and people seem to agree with it. Trent Williams, Aaron Banks, Jake Brindle, Brunskill, and McGlinchey. That should technically be the starting offensive line. Correct. Provided Kyle doesn't go ahead and be like, hey, man, Dan's going to be our starter at center. I did hear that Daniel uh, messed up a snap, which caused an issue, Mm -hmm. but I think Lance recovered from it. Um, So that's that's why I was shaking my head when you were saying that, man. I got real mixed feelings about him being at center. (laughs) I'm not comfortable with Put him at every position. They put him at every position other than the one that he's actually good at. So, which is I, I, well, I mean, go ahead. Yeah. Um, honestly, I don't think Brunskill will win the job. I know people around me have uh, do believe that Brunskill could win the center job. I personally think it's Brendel just because he's got the connection. That's what with I was Trey thinking. Uh, Brunskill, uh, sorry, Brendel and Lance have been together for the entire last year, last off season. They mm-hmm. were the second team center and quarterback. This offseason, who's the first-team quarterback? It's Trey Lance. Who's the first-team center? It's Jake Brendel. They've got the connection. Brendel's the one also calling the protections. That's something I'm bound to find out. Does Daniel Brunskill call protections when he's in at center, or is it somebody else on the offensive line? Is it the quarterback or something like that? Because Brendel's the one calling all the protections with the first team. Um, when Brunskill gets swapped in, I, I'm, I'm curious how that is. But I just think that center-quarterback connection, this case specifically, is very important. I think Brent, uh, Brendel has the, the edge on that right now. And I think really we're going to see um, how they move in the run game on Monday when pads come on because Brendel, that's where his forte is. It's not pass protection. It's run uh, run blocking because he's an athletic guy. He's intelligent. He's able to move out to that second level. Okay. Um, what what uh, defensive back stood, uh, stood out to you? Outside of Charvarius Ward, because I've heard all the chatter about how great <laughs> he's looking and all the fits he's giving people, and I've heard a little bit about Emmanuel Mosley, but who who else is is trying to stand out at camp? That's a DB. Um, to me, I thought it was the top two. Obviously, you heard about Ward and Mosley yesterday, uh, day one of camp. Mosley was the best player on the field. Two PBUs on his two targets. Ward wasn't even targeted. Today, it was Ward. Ward had five uh, targets at him today, only allowed one completion, and that was on an extended an extended play uh, when Trey Lance uh, got out of the pocket, rolled, made a crossbody throw, nice throw to Brandon Ayuk for a 20-yard completion. That was off probably seven, eight seconds of coverage, so it's understandable there. The other four plays, two incompletions, two PBUs. So a strong day from Ward. Mosley, I think, had one target thrown at him, one PBU on Brandon Ayuk. But really, 49ers cornerbacks, top ones have been locking down the top receivers. That's the that's the story of it. Receivers have been doing really good against the second and third team uh, defenses. But the top receivers um, against the top cornerbacks, the cornerbacks are winning the battle so far. Um, but as for the slot, Darkies Hignard has gotten all the first team snaps, which is interesting so far. Um, Samuel Womack is playing with the twos. 
Quantrez Knight is the third team slot cornerback. Uh, Denard is the guy who I'm very interested in. Does he stay at the slot cornerback starting spot? And how does he fare? Because the 49er quarterbacks have to target the slot given how the, the outside corners have played. Have you seen anything out of the Amador Lenore and Trey Sermon? Yeah, was, so that was my next question. <laughs> go for it. But speaking first on uh, Diameter Lenore, I personally, I thought he looked all right uh, the last uh, two days. Lenore has been with the second team. It's him and Ambry Thomas on the outside with the second team corners behind. So he's essentially the fourth strength outside corner. It's Ward, Mosley, then it's Thomas, and then Lenore. Lenore has been playing press man coverage uh, when he's been out there. He looked fine. I thought he he wasn't too bad. Uh, the first two days, he's looked attentive. He had a nice acrobatic, fantastic catch um, in uh, positional drills yesterday when they were playing against the coaches. I thought that that was a, a nice play by Lenore. But again, it's positional drills. But Lenore so far, he hasn't looked too bad. I think he's definitely um, definitely fighting to make this roster alongside another guy who looked good in Tariq Castro Fields, has the build of an outside corner, has looked much better than I thought because of the reports from minicamp when he was mm-hmm. struggling a lot more when he was in the slot. He's pushed to his more natural position of the outside. He's looked much better at the outside. I mean, again, 13 offense versus 13 defense. Take what you want. But Castro Fields looks like an NFL corner as well. The second guy you mentioned, Trey Sermon. I actually thought Trey Sermon looked fine today. Um, he, he looks much like more fit now. Um, I know there have been concerns about uh, his Sermon's vision. I can't quantify that until we see pads. But his cuts look really nice. He had a nice uh, run today. Uh, the run was towards the outside on the left side. Sermon cut it back uh, towards the middle uh, and the right side. And he that cut itself was just so fluid. I, I thought I really liked it. And I think he has a potential to be that uh, RB2 alongside TDP this year. That battle will be interesting to see and how it unfolds. Is he the – was he starting with the second team? Um, they, they interchanged reps. Um, it interchanged with him and TDP. For the, for the 49ers, it's interesting. They don't necessarily – like the second team, they, they mix in a bunch of guys where you'll see third teamers uh, come in with the second team. You'll see some of the first teamers bump because Ayuk had some good run with the twos over the last few mm-hmm. days. Jennings definitely had run with the twos over the last few days. And some of the starters had some runs with the – like the, on the offensive line had run with the twos too. When it, when it comes to the running back position, let's be honest, it's going to be by committee. And if one running back's having a, the hot hand that day, Kyle's just going to keep going with him. And then the next game, it'll completely change. So, I mean, that's true. I, yeah. That's what at least that's what I think is going to happen. It's just going to be constantly rotating them so they stay healthy. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think this. I, also, I'm just. Go ahead, Brandon. Uh, I was just going to say I think this also helps too with the whole Debo situation and him not wanting to play that running back role anymore. Um, so having more running backs as well is going to help. Um, the Niners in the in the long run. Yeah, I mean, just a small sample size of what we've seen so far. I, you know, I'm I'm safely assuming that it would probably be TDP Sermon and Elijah Mitchell that are our main three backs, and you probably stash uh, somebody on the practice squad. Um, I honestly feel like Hasty um, Mason and uh, Jefferson Jr. on the outside looking in, as far as like actually being active starters uh would would i be correct in that assumption rohan uh so right now yeah jeff wilson jr for being honest i don't think he's going to make the roster just based off the first few days he hasn't looked that good compared to the other guys he's been running back behind uh like in front of jordan mason and like when you look at the comparison between the two i think mason's just a better player right now wilson jr Mm -hmm. he might be just shaking off rust right coming back um like this is after a health, uh, an unhealthy season, might be shaking off rust. Maybe he looks better over the rest of camp. But so far, I didn't think Wilson possessed uh, the explosiveness that I was looking for. I didn't think he possessed the speed. And he he was ta- not tackled, but he was caught for a couple of TFLs today as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, another another question too is I heard you know Mason was actually doing like. He had some good runs uh, today as well in practice. Um, well, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on Mason um, so far? I like Mason. Uh, I've liked Mason since uh, the the pre draft process. I thought that Mason uh, was a good undrafted free agent pickup, 
and he looks like an NFL player. I the the like he was running well. He was running strong and physical. He's fast. The most impressive thing to me wasn't his runs. It was the one catch he had today. It was a comebacker. Uh, I forget. I think it was Sudfeld throwing it. Um, it was a comeback route, about a eight ten yard catch. Then he swiftly moved um, and creeped along the sideline. Had a nice run after the catch as well. So, um, how's uh, Jackson looking? Um, Obviously, Bosa so far. Jackson. Um, yeah, he looks really good. He today. learned quickly. He did. I think so. Yeah, I think Jackson looked really good today. Um, he was, in my opinion, the two defensive uh, ends were the the two best defensive linemen today. Bosa and Jackson okay. consistently got to the quarterback. Jackson had a shared sack with Nick and DJ. Bosa had two sacks on Colton McKivitz, and Jackson had a pressure as well on Jalen Moore. Uh, and I think it was not Jalen Moore, Justin Skuel, the uh, the backup right tackle. But those are the two guys that were looked at the edge. Um, Jackson got a lot of run. Jordan Willis started on the edge with because Armstead wasn't out. Omenihu normally starts on the edge. Armstead was out. Omenihu slid in, played interior today. Jordan Willis got the first reps, but Jackson got a majority of the reps at defensive end alongside Nick Bosa. I like the pairs, uh, comparison with the two. Um, that's, that's awesome. Do we? Go ahead, go ahead Christian. Oh, I was just saying, yeah, I was just curious about Jackson because um, I don't think we know that much of the player he's going to be yet because obviously USC has been so terrible at developing talent. So I'm just excited to see how much, uh, since he's been getting work with the team, how much better he's improving. USC is terrible at developing talent? What are we talking about here? USC turns the out last, defensive stars year in and year out. Dude, are you kidding? Lately, dude, they've been absolutely atrocious at developing their talent. Like – Look at all those, all the, all the five-star guys that are going second, third, fourth, fourth round. They've been, they've been really bad. Like they've been, they used to be good, but lately, because all the, all the um, turmoil uh, at USC, they have not been good. Like that's all the ups and downs, changing the yeah, all the ups and downs, changing. They haven't been developing their talent. So like I think Jackson was supposed to be like coming out of high school, like first round, first round grade, when he did go finally get in the NFL, he was like top, uh, one of the top rushers in the, in the nation when they, when he uh, decided to go to USC and then he underwhelmed because they've just been developing their talent so, so poorly, but you kind of see, like you get some of these guys that are going in the mid rounds of USC and then they turn out a lot better than you think. Like Hufunga is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. He's pretty good. Uh, safety with a lot of really great instincts, but you can kind of tell that he probably didn't get the coaching and the development that he should have got at USC. True. And that, true. I mean, he's you know, so I, don't far, like, I don't like USC as it is because I'm a UCLA guy. So either way, you yeah. Know. But I mean, I'll, but if they like, give us talented players, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I hate them too, but like just being a Pac 12 uh, mm. for so long now, uh, you know, being a Ute. So I, Pay a lot of ten- I paid a lot of attention to it, and U- USC's been a complete dumpster fire. To be fair, they're still recovering from the, you know, the uh, Pete Carroll whatever days. you call it, the 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 black what are they death penalty that they're still recovering from? from yeah. Oh, Reggie Bush. Thing. Quick note. Quick side note. The study clause has been removed from Mr. Murray's contract. Yeah, I saw that. So he must have went in office and cried a lot and been like, I don't want to watch a film. Look, man, at the end of the day, when you play – when you're playing a sport, whatever you do in life, you want to dedicate yourself to that if you really have a passion for it. Part of that dedication is educating yourself on the opponent, whether you're on the debate team, the chess team, football, baseball, basketball. I don't care what you're doing. If you have some kind of competition, you want to know your competition. You want to know their strong points. You want to know their weak points. So you know how to attack. And at the same time, being five foot eight at best, because he is not 5'11. I've been close enough to the man. He's not 5'11. Being that short, knowing you have to move and shift and find curves and spots because all of your offensive linemen are over six feet. It makes it, it would behoove you to study your defense. I'm just saying, you know, and 
for them to have to put that as a clause in your contract, then you'd complain enough to get it removed. I don't know if I'd have gave you $43 million a year. I'm just I saying. Wouldn't have. I mean, look at, <laughs> look at their, how their play dwindles throughout the, as the season goes on, you know, that, that has a lot to do with the fact that he doesn't, he doesn't watch any, any film and then teams figure him out and he's not watching film to understand defenses, to make the adjustments. And then they suck. Like he looked like, let's see, Kenny, he looked like freaking um, CJ Beathard in the playoffs against the Rams. Yeah, isn't it, isn't it always, yeah. T- tell me if you see this, if you see this too, Rohan, they start oh. out the Cardinals, they start out on fire. And then they just fizzle out toward the end of the season. Like they, they kind of, they're like I mean, up and then they're just, they just start taking a downward spiral. And next thing you know, they slide into the playoffs and nobody wins. Cause that's just not what Cliff Kingsbury does. I've seen a uh, Kingsbury tweet. It's not even with the Cardinals when he was with Texas tech. He had that exact same thing where every year, mm-hmm. apparently he's like started off strong and then just bottomed out. And it's just been a recurring theme. I, I don't, I mean, you can't really put any science to it, but, like, that's something that just happens year in and year out. Yeah. Um, all right, Rohan, I have a question for you. How has Javon Kinlaw looked? Kinlaw actually looked pretty, pretty good yesterday. Um, again, he's a guy who hasn't played in scrimmage. I don't think he'll – I don't know if he'll play with scrimmage. Uh, I know the 49ers have a closed practice tomorrow. Than an open one on Saturday. I don't know if he'll scrimmage mm-hmm. in either of those two, but individual drills, he looks like he has that explosiveness back. I know uh, another reporter, I forget who, pointed out that Kinlaw did beat Nick Bosa in a in a one on one kind of speed quickness kind of drill uh, with defensive linemen, and he he I mean he looks huge, looks in shape, and he's been starting yeah. out there with Ark Armstead in uh in drills. What's it like being up close to that guy? Because he's a freaking monster. <laughs> Yeah, no. No, that guy is... He is one of the biggest humans I've ever seen. You know the funny thing? Rohan's face. You know what Rohan's face said? This is like standing... It's like Kevin Hart standing next to Shaq. You're not about to put... No, no. No, no. no. I'm I'm 6'2", and that guy is just huge when, when when you see him in person. Yeah, it was hard. It's you know what You know what really made me notice that he was really big? It's really hard to dwarf Nick Bosa. But when they took a picture, I was like, why Nick Bosa look like a child compared to Javon Kinlaw looking like a grown-ass man out here? Like, he is a very, very dude, big individual. if he's healthy, dude, we're going to eat – he's going to eat up to every single run game every single week. I can, te- I can tell you this. In Madden, he is a nightmare on that inside. Every time I play with him, literally, I swear to you, all I do is club left or club right. It doesn't matter what side they put him on. And I literally Dude, I mean, I am I, on the quarterback within seconds. And if I really want I can't to rush the quarterback, I'll play with Nick because he has the speed. Dude, I can't wait to, like, see him when he finally, like, finds the right offense alignment that literally he just throws him. It's going to be a game where he just comes up out of nowhere and the guy just freaking goes flying and he gets a sack. He's got a pretty nasty bull rush. He's had that since college. Um, it's just yeah. the thing is you can't just do that in the NFL because people know they got they got skills, they got techniques, so they can uh, defend that much. Um, who's the guy? Who's the sleeper that no one's really talking about, Rohan? That you saw that was like, I oh, where did this dude come from? Yeah, so it's a guy that I I talked about a little earlier. Um, did I see Steph? Yeah, I, I've been with Steph actually. Uh, saw her the last two days, but um. A sleeper that I, I I talked about going into training camp with my guy Marco. We both talked about him. Curtis Robinson, linebacker, uh, second-year player out of Stanford, undrafted guy out of Stanford last year. Curtis Robinson is a guy who you guys should keep your eyes on uh, as potentially making the team as that fifth linebacker. We've got Fred Warner, Aziz Alshire, Drake Greenlaw. Everybody knows them. Oren Burks, we signed to a, a, a two-year deal this year. He's a lock for the roster. That fifth spot, though. Demetrius Flanagan Fowles has been there for the last couple of years, but he could be traded this offseason. Restricted free agent next year. The 49ers might not want to pay him $2.5 million to be a fifth linebacker. Other teams might uh, value that special team's expertise and his athleticism to be a potential linebacker. And then when I'm looking at the second team, 
Curtis Robinson has been vocal. He's a leader out there with that second team unit. He's been talking to, to guys like Burks and Flanagan Fells. He's been moving well. I think he's a he's a sleeper to potentially make this roster. I think he's a good athlete too. Oh, so he's been the Mike on the second team. He's the Mike. Wow. Yeah, it's not EFF. Okay. EFF was the Mike last year with that second team. He's the Mike this year. It's DFF, uh, I believe. Ooh, DFF is on the right, I think, and Burks is on the left. Yeah, with uh, him being the Mike. That shows a lot of trust in him, man, because being the Mike, you know, that's, that's not a simple task. You're the quarterback yeah. of the defense. You're, you're getting yep. everybody lined up, making sure everything is good. And if he's performing yep. like you say he's performing – Hopefully, when the pads come on, that continues, and we can see some of this in preseason. Uh, see, I find that interesting, though, too, because it's kind of funny because when you think about it, all our linebackers, starting linebackers, are like the Mike freaking guys, but only one of them can be. So it's Warner, but Al Shayer and Greenlaw can do it and, and do it well. So now we got another guy. If there's another guy coming up in the fourth spot that can do it, do it too, like uh, that makes me feel pretty good about where we're at at linebacker. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's good. I, I'm glad. I'm glad we got a guy. Cause you know what? To be honest with you, I knew nothing about Curtis Robinson. I I knew he was on the team, but that was about as much as I knew. I knew he was a linebacker, but you know, not <laughs> not a lot. Cause you know how it is. You usually typically don't pay attention to the second, third, and fourth string guys. Um, I mean, you know who they are, but there's not a ton of information that's provided on them. So thank you for uh, letting us know. Uh, we got a question for you. It says, is there any truth in your opinion that Tarverius Moore is the odd man out based on what you've seen? Um, so far, no, but I can understand why people may think that. I've also uh, I've also floated that out there just if another guy has a good camp. But right now, the top two safeties have been Ward and Hufanga. Those are the two guys uh, that are starting. The backup safeties, the second team safeties have been George Odom and Tarverius Moore. So those are the two guys that have, uh, uh, like, they've been playing as the backup guys. It hasn't necessarily been any any interchange guys. Um, this the thirteen guys are Taylor Hawkins and Dante Johnson. I don't think Johnson makes the initial fifty three just because the 49ers are going to cut him before bringing him back after all the pup uh, injured reserve, all that kind of stuff. Because Johnson is a veteran, uh, you can just release him. He goes straight to free agency instead of waivers, so you don't have to worry about that. You can bring him back. I think Moore's got a shot to make this roster for sure. I don't think right now he's not the odd man out. Right now Johnson is because he's the fifth safety on the team, and Taylor Hawkins did have a pick today. He's he's looked fine, and he's a he's a safety linebacker hybrid type of player who the 49ers might like. But right now it is looking like uh, Moore is in, and Johnson is not based on just how they've played so far. And it's funny because we all know Dante Johnson will be back because he knows where the bodies are buried. But he's got some kind of secret on the 49ers because it never makes sense. But every single year, he's here. He's here. I think only, what, maybe one or two years he's been with somebody else. I think he went to Seahawks for like a year or so. Mm -hmm. And even after that, he turned around and came right back. I always joke and say this, uh, Rohan, that uh, when he goes home, his wife is like, baby, you're not going to go look for a job? You're not you're out of the league? He's like, nah, Niners will be calling soon. He's going to kick back watch TV. <laughs> just seems like that's the case of it. I mean, like it's nice. What's going on, media? I, what's going on, media? How is well, Jason? Uh, Do you think he's being developed for center, swing, or right side? So this is going to be unfortunate for 49er fans because I know a lot of you guys have liked Jason Poe. He has not looked that good. Um, Poe has been a oh. guard. He's been a right guard. I think he's also played a little bit on the left side, but he's been a right guard so far. He is so small. He's the smallest guy on the offensive line. It's very noticeable, and you'd expect him to play center, but because of the Brunskill, uh, what do you call it, the Brunskill-Brendel competition, Keaton Sutherland is the third guy, and so there's no room alongside Donovan West being there, right? So there's no room for Jason Poe to play center, and he's just looked small. Today he was overwhelmed a lot. He was uh, pressured a couple of times uh, at the guard spot by the defense. Um, I, I don't know if he gave up a sack. I know he was uh, in on a couple of pressures. But initially, like yesterday when looking at him, I mean, before I already didn't think he was going to make the roster. 
I don't think that he will make the roster now for sure. Um, he, he is a guy who can be potentially a practice squad guy. I personally don't think he'll get claimed. Um, a lot of people might like the intrigue of him, but right now, like the, the problem with a, like a Swiss army knife, like Poe is to be a Swiss army knife and to have value need it. You need to add value at least one of those positions right now. And I don't think Poe has value at any of those positions right now. And so that's where I, what I think about Poe, but I do think that once he grows a little more into his frame over the next year, um, once he becomes a little more technically sound, probably um, like he was, uh, like he needed to improve on a little bit at Mercer, I think he definitely has potential over the next two to three years. Okay. Uh, okay, so here's my question. Um, I know Trent is gone for a family matter. Uh, when do we expect to see him? Do we see him back Monday with when they have pads on? Um, what, what are we thinking with Trent Williams? Any word on that? Uh, I don't know when he comes back. Hopefully it is by Monday because Colton McKivitz hasn't looked that good either. Um, today mm-hmm. he got hampered on the left side by Nick Bosa. Gave up multiple sacks, like I said. Um, Williams has been out with a personal matter. And I, last year I heard uh, from a couple of the guys that um, Williams actually didn't practice that much in scrimmage time. Uh, and true. while they might be good Does because – he really need to? He doesn't necessarily need to. But I think for Trey Lance's sake, you kind of want him yes. to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Because Nick Bosa was just in the backfield consistently today, maybe four or five times in the in the short amount of time that the quarterbacks were out there. So you you don't necessarily need him, but it at least provides you with the representation of what you might see mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Then again, you might want to see what you have out of those guys. But to me, you've seen enough to know that those guys aren't it right now. So. I think that you should just put Trent Williams back there. I personally, I think, so we, if we're talking about the offensive lineman that could make the roster, Justin Skule immediately is the guy that I think is going to get cut. He looked pretty, pretty bad today uh, at right tackle. Um, he wow. is the backup of Jalen Moore. He's a third-team guy. Uh, he was the first-team guy in minicamp. I didn't know how he looked at minicamp. I didn't read reports on him there. But um, he committed a false start. He was a little bit, uh, like, in shambles in that way. And he also got pressured by Drake Jackson, uh, gave up a couple of pressures there. Um, I mean, the offensive line overall didn't look that good. I'm not going to put too much into it until I see pads, but I don't expect much to change when it comes to Justin Steele. I don't think he makes the roster. Okay. Uh, so who's been the guy that's just been a flat out disappointment? Is it Justin school or is there another guy that's just been like, Oh man, it's not looking good. Not yeah, I so I, I would say that it probably is Skule. The two that I'd say are Skule and maybe Jeff Wilson Jr. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, running backs, I won't put too much stock into it. I put Skule above him. But those are the two guys. You you maybe could have made an argument for Jeff Wilson Jr., maybe over even a Troy Sermon or Jermichael Hasty. I think Hasty's honestly looked better um, to start camp, at least uh, in the early part. Uh, he's I think Hasty's just moved better, uh, and Hasty did have a catch as well. So that's the case. Uh, uh, yeah, Melissa, yeah, she did ask before, do you think yeah. Willie could lose his spot to Tyler Croft? I'd really love to see uh, – I'd really love it if it's Tyler, Charlie, and George as tight ends one through three. I think Dwelly could lose his spot potentially. I think there is an argument for certain tight ends to be there. I just don't think mm-hmm. it's Tyler Croft. I know Tyler Croft was a name that people did mention uh, prior to camp, but I think Tyler Croft also is the only uh, tight end with the money guaranteed to him in uh, other players on the bubble. He had 25K guaranteed, but I haven't heard Tyler Croft's name that much. Um, like he hasn't popped up too much in, in scrimmage at least. I know he's more of a blocking tight end, so we'll see when blocking does matter a little more when they're running the football. But mm-hmm. out of the receivers, the guy that's popped out, raised eyes on both days has been Jordan Matthews. Jordan Matthews had a nice 23-yard catch okay. today, had a catch, uh, a nice catch, and then a little run for a touchdown. I don't know how you grade it, but he had a nice catch to end practice yesterday as well from Brock Purdy. Um, he's He's been a guy who has had catches on both days. Uh, yesterday, tight ends received a lot more action with the, more of a short game. You saw guys like Tanner Hudson get in the mix. You saw, uh, like I said, Matthews. Um, and then there was one other tight end on top of George Kittle. Uh, I'll pull up my notes and figure that out. But, yeah, it was not Charles, uh, Tyler Croft, though. Does Purdy really have that weak of an arm? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, does he just throw the ball? Is he throw the ball like when I try to throw the ball? Like, because my shoulder's shot from baseball. So, is that how he throws the ball? Where just he just looks like so, his shoulder hurts as soon as he lets it go? So, I, it- I, I wanted to camp optimistic, right? I was like, okay, I, I want to see what we have. I think I, I, I thought Subfeld would be quarterback too. And then it's the first quarterback drills that I watched. The first drills, it's just throwing to coaches with no defense or anything. And you could just see the noticeable difference between Lance and uh, like Lance and Sudfeld were one group and Purdy was the other group. Um, Purdy, yeah, the, the ball travel, it takes a while to travel. There are some throws where you, um, what do you call it? There are some throws where you were like, oh, wow, he, he put some zip on that ball. But for the majority of the time, that's not the case. You saw it on the two interceptions. He started practice today. His first throw was a pick. Um, mm-hmm. It was with the third team. That ball was traveling for a while, and that wasn't the worst one. The second one was really bad. Marcus Johnson was probably open 45 yards down the field, wide open. Uh, Purdy got sacked on the play, but he chose to extend the play, rolled out to his right. Marcus Johnson's wide open, but that ball traveled like a Jimmy Garoppolo ball. And in a way, it traveled in the air for probably <laughs> five, seven seconds, and Taylor Hawkins, who was on the right side of the field, traveled over to the left side of the field, intercepted the pass. It wasn't a really uh, a great – I mean, it, it's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, Rohan, uh, Rohan, before you it continue, blows my mind that, Joey, Joey is always like that in the comments. You do not oh have to God. address him, bro. He be always with the shit. This is normal, bro. Joey, dude. Normal. So, dude, what I, what I overall what I mean about Purdy is he's a he's a practice squad quarterback. Um, yeah. There isn't a quarterback competition. It's not close. Sudfeld by far is the better quarterback. And Purdy, I mean, you can look in completion percentage and maybe think that right. Purdy had a good day. It was he was six of eight with the two picks uh, as his two completions. But it, it's clear that Sudfeld is the better quarterback for sure. Yeah, um, I kind of thought that way anyway. I mean, you see Lance is one, Sudfeld two, uh-huh. throw Purdy on the practice squad, you know, keep Juice as your third quarterback as he wants to be so badly, you know, as he 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 professed last year. Uh, I remember, uh, what was it? I think, no, it was 2020 when he was, he was like, I want to be the third quarterback because I think we we're going into a game and we only had either Mullins or Beathard. And – they were they put Jerick McKinnon with his worthless self as the backup, um, and they were like and and Juice was was making a strong push. He was in practice, a little upset that they didn't choose him. So, I just wanted to comment on the Purdy thing though. It's just isn't it funny how you can be a, a power five school and have that weak of an arm? Kind of blows my mind. Like I know yeah. it's Iowa State and they run the ball, but like how can you be a power five school and have that weak of an arm? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, Rohan, I wanted to ask you, um, what's the word on Aaron Banks? Um, Melissa brought it up in this comment right here. Jalen Moore played more last year, but do you think Aaron Banks is more like a starter over Jalen? Yeah. So talking about this question here, Jalen Moore was in the mix to start at right guard this year and minicamp and NOTAs. He was the first team right guard. Burford was the second team right guard. And I think it was Burford right guard to kill left guard second team. And just because of the McGlinchey injury in a way, in a way Jalen Moore got screwed in this, in this process, but he's going to have a roster spot as a, as a utility offensive lineman. He could have been in the mix for right guard, but it seems like he's going to have to play right tackle for the majority, if not the entirety of training camp as McGlinchey works back um, because he's going to be – McGlinchey will be limited in scrimmage. Aaron Banks is 100% the starter at left guard. They, they're on two different sides. Uh, Banks is the solidified left guard. I don't think that that will be touched. He looked good yesterday. He looked a little more uh, – a little rougher today. He did allow a pressure to Maurice Hurst or like a pressure slash sack to Maurice Hurst uh, today who got beat, but entirety of the offensive line got beat. Uh, I said this earlier, but I'm not as worried about Banks. I think Banks is one of the better offensive linemen so far for the 49ers. I think the the guy on his left, though, McKivitz, has looked a little shaky at times, especially going up against Bosa. So uh, Tiberius asks, how has uh, Ray Ray McLeod looked so far? Uh, McLeod has looked fine. Uh, McLeod obviously shined in OTAs. Uh, He got more action than he – Got, he got more action yesterday than today, I believe. 
Um, he was like a check down guy yesterday. I think that that's what his role might be in 2022. More of a check down guy. He's like a reliable option, then gets to use his legs to move uh, next year. Oh, sorry, not next year, uh, like uh, down the field in a way. Uh, today, he got two targets. One was the PBU by Tano Funga. The second was a catch. Um, he was also seen uh, running deep routes today. So that was the other thing. Um, I think McLeod will have a role. Him and Jennings have been getting extended roles with Debo Samuel out uh, this uh, during this entire training camp process. Jennings had five targets today. Um, but McLeod has looked fine. Uh, I think McLeod, his main thing will be uh, as a kick returner, punt returner. He was the number one guy there. But he's also seen fine as a receiver so far. Media asks, how has the rookie Danny Green, uh, Gray been? Uh, Gray was a highlight today. Uh, I didn't see him much yesterday, um, but Gray had uh, a nice – he had the only touchdown of the day, torched the 13 defense, uh, just blew by him. Um, speaking about Brock Purdy, uh, Brock Purdy was the quarterback on the play. It was about a 45-yard pass. Gray torched the defense. Purdy underthrew him, uh, but Gray was, like, far enough ahead that the pass – despite being underthrown, was still caught and running for a touchdown in a way. So good play by Gray. He definitely has the deep speed. The other uh, the other play that Gray had was um, against Traverius Ward. Trey Lance was throwing on that play. Uh, Gray uh, ran a deep pass – or sorry, he ran a deep route. And surprisingly, Ward was step-in-step step with him. Lance tested it, incomplete pass. Ward was step-in-step. Step. It was a good uh, rep by Ward. Um, my next question is, it's about Trey Lance, but, uh, compared from today and yesterday, I know they did seven on sevens yesterday and 11 on 11 today. Um, what'd you see different? Because I know he went seven for 15 today with one interception. I believe it was nine for 11 yesterday. Yeah. Mistaken. Uh, obviously everyone has different numbers. My numbers might not be as trustworthy. I thought I had it at six of 14 today with one pick. 9 of 11 yesterday. So overall, 15 of, I think, what, 20, 25, 15 of 25 so far uh, uh, in training camp. Yesterday, more you, you'd expect more completion percentage, a lot shorter passes. Today, stretched mm-hmm. field a lot more. Um, okay. He, It's interesting. I think him and Ayuk and Jennings and all the guys have to find a way to get past this first-team defense, uh, mm-hmm. on, especially in the intermediate and deeper routes. Um, they were not that successful today. Uh, that's where a majority of these incompletions came. Lance did have – he had good throws, and he also had poor throws. I mentioned some of the good place throws down the field uh, a little earlier. He also had a really nice rollout uh, where he extended the play with his legs after facing pressure, Left uh, rolled to his left, cross-body throw, hit Brandon Ayuk for 20 yards. He, another play that Lance had – ooh. Um, did he – did he have like a run for 20 yards or something like that too? Uh, yeah, that was the one. He uh, faced pressure again, recurring theme, uh, escaped the pocket. Uh, there was a defensive lineman right on his tail and rushed right along the sideline for about 20, 25, 30 yards there. Uh, that was a nice play as well. And then he fired back uh, another pressure another pressure play, stood in the pocket this time, fired a pass over the middle of George Kittle, about a 13-yard pass. That was like a, he had a nice series of three plays. He started off the day really rough. Um, not really rough, but 0 for 3, ended the first uh, session. There were two scrimmage sessions, ended the first one 2 for 5, and then completed three. Uh, those It was two completed passes and then the nice 30-yard run to start the second session. Okay. That's awesome, any, man. Any other questions? How how is the energy been from the fans, basically Ooh, wow. that are there? Because I know I know they had a I believe it was Quantrez Knight had to hype the fans up today mm-hmm. as far as being yeah. a rookie. So how how is the energy been from the fans? Like what do you what do you feel? What kind of aura are you getting from the people that are there watching these practices? Yeah, so the fan I mean the energy is definitely there. Like um, it's nice because this this group of players. You like there were a couple of times end of practice where you can is where you can definitely feel the energy. Um, fans were shouting Kittle, Kittle, Kittle. Kittle comes by, you know he he does his regular hyping the crowd up type of thing, and everybody was just loud. Uh, Kittle was there. Uh, 
Fred Warner it was the main hype guy for the 49ers and newly signed a defensive tackle, Robert Ndiche. Uh, he also had a, he, he hyped the crowd up uh, at a time as well. Energy though is certainly there. You could definitely feel it. Uh, rookie hype uh, was also there as well. That's what I was going to ask. How is that new defensive tackle? Uh, how has he been looking so far? You know, I originally thought he'd be a camp body, um, but Nick Ndiche had a good, good day today. I didn't notice him yesterday. I didn't realize he was on the field yesterday as much, but today he had a good day uh, as the defensive tackle. I think he ran with the second team, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, because it was, uh, like I said, yeah, He so there are two fields. He was on the second field, and he was on the second team there with Teray, uh, undrafted free agent Kevin Atkins, and then he was with Drake Jackson as well. But Nick DJ had a he had a sack today. Uh, he had a pressure as well. He had a nice day today. Um, and he I don't think he'll fight for a roster spot. But if an injury occurs, he might be a cut candidate to be brought back uh, for uh, extended play. Yeah, because he was like a first round pick with the Cardinals. He just never panned out. So when I saw him, I, that was my first thought process was, you know, when, when they signed him initially, I was like, wait a minute, how how are we signing him? Where's the money coming from? You know, but then again, they probably got a little bit in the stash. You know what? I'll ask you a good. I ask you a, a question um, that uh, I, I don't. I don't know if you've been um, asked this before. I think you might have been asked by Breezy. Go for it. You think Jimmy is traded or cut? It's a. It's an interesting question. Um, at the moment, I lean towards traded just because I think there is uh, significant interest. Because the one thing that fans don't understand, Jimmy Garoppolo's contract does not matter. It's essentially, in my opinion, Jimmy Garoppolo is a free agent right now. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is – the 49ers gave him official permission. What that means is he can go to other teams and negotiate a contract. His contract is non-guaranteed. None of the money from this contract, he's not going to make this money. He's going to – regardless of what happens, he won't make $24 this year. So he can essentially go to the Giants, go to a team, negotiate a one million, one year, ten million dollar deal, then execute in a way a sign and trade. I'm gonna get this deal with the Giants. The Giants send something back, and because you can have that renegotiation as opposed to Baker Mayfield, maybe even Sam Donald at times, whose contracts are guaranteed. I think there is certain interest. Uh, I've heard from my guy Marco that the New York Giants have certainly expl- uh, expressed interest. Uh, in Jimmy Garoppolo, I think there is interest for his uh, services, but um, I would, I mean, I would definitely not be surprised if he's cut. He could even ask ask for his release. The 49ers look good in that way because they let him go under his wishes, and so I think the 49ers end up winning the situation regardless of what happens. All right, and Melissa, yeah, because me personally, I don't care what happens just as long as he's not on the roster week one. Yeah, you know, I, don't really, I don't really care what happens either. I don't think the compensation will be that significant when whatever gets brought back. I think it mm-hmm. will be, honestly, I think it will be a little more maybe than Baker Mayfield just because of the money situation because the team, it's un, it's for the team uh, that gets to decide how much money they pay and the guaranteed amount. Like the entirety of what they're paying is not what Garoppolo might earn, right? It might be an incentive-based contract or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it might be more compensation. But overall, I don't really care be it, if it's a fourth-round pick or if he's cut. I think it's the same because the 49ers have such draft compensation in 2022 that it doesn't matter as much. Um, Melissa asks, have you seen anything impressive from the undrafted free agents late, uh, at all in these two days? Yeah, um, UDFAs haven't seen too, too much action, I'd say. I know everyone's favorite is Leon O'Neal. Leon O'Neal uh, playing with third team. Uh, he's the third team safety alongside Dante Johnson. It's them two. Um, so O'Neal, he's been he's like, I, I've, he's been being coached up a lot. Like you see a lot of the coaches trying to give him a lot of directions. You see a, a, a guy like Talano Hufanga trying to be a vocal leader with Leon O'Neal. Um, I don't think O'Neal makes the roster just because there are five safeties ahead of him. And I think that uh, the 49ers are more comfortable with them. I, I haven't really believed that O'Neal will make the roster. As for the offensive linemen, West and Poe, West has seen minimal action. Poe hasn't necessarily looked that great during his action. Um, I, I think it's a long shot for both of them as well. Uh, the three linebackers, to me, were the most intriguing signings. Gemmel, uh, Olubi, and then McCrary Ball. 
All three of them are the third string linebacker group, uh, meaning the bottom three of the nine linebackers. Uh, Gemmel is the middle linebacker, the Mike. Uh, I think it was Olubi on his left side, McCurry ball on his right side. I thought potentially one of them could push Flanagan fouls for that role, but uh, Olubi uh, or Gemmel or McCurry ball right now doesn't seem like that's happening either. The biggest free agent, uh, sorry, undrafted free agent kind of guy, I think is uh, Jordan Mason. I think he's the one with the most potential to make the roster. He's looked good so far. He's looked like an NFL player. I think that he could push Jeff Wilson Jr. out of a spot um, if he continues to play how he's played. All right. That's awesome, All right. man. Um, we're going to get going here soon pretty uh, pretty quick here, but I wanted to ask you um, what, what – I don't know if you've seen it yet, but – uh, what was your take on Louis Reddick's uh, take on Trey Lance this morning on first take? I have not seen it, so you guys can get a, an official reaction. What did he say? All right, let me see if I can find it real quick. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Brandon's the king of finding shit like last yes. night, man. Yes. Hey, I just subscribed to your channel, Rohan. Let everybody know where they can find you, brother. Yeah, while we're waiting, man. Yeah. Thank you, man. Um, you guys can just – it's my name, Rohan Chakravarti. You can find me on Twitter at Rohan Chakrav, and then the YouTube links in the description. I'm reporting uh, every day from training camp, so be sure to check there. I'll be posting my daily stream right after training camp on that channel, so be sure to check that out. And also appreciate all you guys for having me on today. Oh yeah, man! I'll, I'll get right. you. I'll get you over on my channel as well, man. We'll definitely do something. Get you going. Uh, Mike here asking, okay, do you believe if Burford wins the right guard job? I think so at the moment. He has no competition, uh, which is the interesting part to me. The two guys that were going to compete were uh, Brunskill and were Jalen Moore. Neither of them has seen a single right guard snap so far with the first team. Uh, so I don't think that uh, Burford really has a threat to his job at the moment. Maybe that's not the best scenario. You, you do normally want competition. But maybe that also changes when uh, McGlinchey comes back a little more and Moore gets to get more action at right guard. But right now, I think Burford wins that job. All right, all right. And then Melissa asked, do you think if Hasty and Wilson Jr. both leave, do we bring in a vet? Because Shannon usually prefers a vet in every room. I think the vet in this room is uh, Juszczyk. Uh, I think uh, when you when you talk about the running backs, Juszczyk is normally mentioned with them. We carry five running backs with Juszczyk being one. So I think he's the vet now uh, in the group. And I think, uh, I mean, they like Mitchell, right? They like uh, that everybody has a different position group. And in a way, they have a vet in their coach. Anthony mm -hmm. Lynn played the running back position. Yep. Uh, that's something different than any other running back coach that they've had before. Bobby Turner obviously has been there. Mike McDaniel's been there. But Anthony Lynn is a guy who's recently played the position. I think that that uh also is another added voice and one thing we heard um i forget who said it exactly but um it was ooh, i'll try and remember but it was during the uh the press conferences um and a player was talking about the coaching staff and talking about two specific guys and he was talking about how the other guy was a former player so you don't necessarily treat those former uh the coaches that are former players as coaches but also a year that you can lean on and ask for advice as a former player Tavarius asks who will be uh running back to this is a i don't know at the moment this is a battle that we'll see it's tdp it's sermon uh battling in there maybe mm -hmm. uh hastier wilson somehow gets back in the mix but right now it's tdp or sermon i'd expect tdp to potentially be uh, the, the third guy to start camp just because Sermon has a year ahead of him. But I wouldn't uh, be surprised if TDP uh, is that second guy so far. All right. I found the video, so let's take a look at it real fast. All right, let's, All right, do, let's it. do it. All right. When we get to year 2023, you will see all the things that I know I personally fell in love with about this young man in terms of his football character, his football intellect, the uh, degree to which he was a leader up there at North Dakota State, the degree to which he threw the football beautifully up there at North Dakota State, I think we will all see this is why Kyle wanted this guy. This is why he believes he could take this football team to a whole new level. And ultimately, as much as I love Jimmy G, he will be a distant, distant memory.
and San Francisco will be host, yes. hoisting Super Bowl trophies again. I went so far as to say this. We love to pick dark horses, right? We mm -hmm. long to, love to pick long shots. I picked Trey Lance as my long shot to win the MVP this year Ooh. in a manner in which the same way I said it about Patrick Mahomes when he first burst onto the scene in 2018, that he could take this league by storm and surprise a bunch of people. It may start slow, but this kid is a unique, unique individual in the way he is wired and the athletic ability that he possesses. Do not bet against him. I think he's going to surprise some people. I love every second right. of that. That's what I'm talking about, man. Backing us <laughs> up and, and, and doubling down on his take on Trey Lance, man. That, that's the one thing that 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 is beautiful. Um, you know, I hate that. <laughs> you ain't right now to say, bet don't calm down, man. Hey, uh, see, speaking of bet, he though. Took his, he took, so if you see the show, Rombo took now Jimmy, but now he is stating he will not put any – he he's, he will put he had Jimmy okay so if, have you ever watched Rombo Sports Ron? I've called in a couple of times. I don't watch. Yeah. I've called in. Yeah. So one side he had Jimmy, the other side he had uh, Joe Montana. Uh, Joe Montana. So what he did now was he took Jimmy down and he came in with the excuse that he's no longer putting up anyone any any uh, current players because he's only putting up former players that were great for the Niners. Because, you know, you could take a team to an NFC championship in the Super Bowl and, uh, you know, they throw you Not away winning. five years later. And it's like, bro, really? Come on, man. You really that salty about this dude getting about the building that you you going to use that as the car? And he's like, don't ask me to put anyone up because I'm not going to. And I'm like, so Lance, So I put in the chat, I was like, so if Lance brings us to that six Lombardi, can he get a spot? <laughs> and he didn't answer it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know you saw my comment, man. Like, yeah, he, he's hilarious. Um, so real quick before we end it off here, um, Christian had to go, but I wanted to ask you, Rohan, what is your take on uh the Debo Samuel situation with the contract? We just saw that DK just got signed today. Um, and we heard this morning that Debo could get signed by the end of the weekend. So what, what's our take on that? Yeah, I mean, I do hope that Debo Samuel gets signed uh, by the weekend because Monday is when pads start. This offense, like I've heard some reactions that this offense has looked terrible without Debo Samuel. I, I don't think that that's true, but this offense is considerably better with Debo Samuel. I think like – on some of those deeper routes, right, when you have Debo Samuel and his ability to, and the way that he catches the football uh, and the way that he, the, how physical he is, I think that some of those incompletions turn to completions for the 49ers. Um, and it also allows the other players to play their more, uh, the roles that they're more comfortable in. Ayuk as the other receiver, uh, Drennings in the slot, and McLeod uh, in situational uh, areas too. So I think it, it could be more helpful. Um, and I think Debo Samuel, if, if he gets a deal this weekend, it's perfect. The final domino did drop. DK Metcalf got his deal. I don't think it was a necessary domino, but I think a deal should happen any day. That has dropped now. We saw it. Um, I remember one thing. Fred Warner, Darius Leonard, uh, right before training camp, both of them were waiting it out for the other. Warner signed one deal. Hours later, Leonard signed his deal for $6 million more. So you could see something as soon as this weekend for sure. Yeah, and the funny thing about that is that uh, it's, you know, like when you look at it, man, you know, the person who wins, that agent, he got all these players that he get everybody new money. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's just sitting back going, man, look, I done made a killer this year, baby. I'm good. I don't have to worry about nothing. <laughs> so the agent is definitely having a, having a good thing. I think, honestly, uh, you can answer this question too, Rohan, but I'm going to answer it real quick. Um, I honestly think that Debo gets a four-year. The reason being is because of his age. I think he will want that extra year, allowing him to get extra money. Because the issue is, is he's already he entered the league already older. You know, mm -hmm. like you want to enter the league honestly at a, at the ideal age of twenty to twenty-one. It's truthfully when you want to enter the league. And if you can get in there, that means you can get in off your rookie contract and 
probably get yourself at least one, maybe two more deals, depending on your level of play. When you enter the league at an older age, I want to say 30, they start pushing you out. They start feeling like you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not fast enough. You're not smart enough. And it's really hard to get paid. So with Debo, I think he he would go for a fourth year. But uh, what what do you think, Rohan? I think Debo could even argue for a third year. Um, we've seen two now. Uh, Terry McLaurin got a three-year extension. DK Metcalf got a three-year extension. And the one difference, uh, Melissa points out, Debo Samuel is already 26 years old. Mm-hmm. I personally, I originally predicted a five-year extension with, uh, which would include a three-year opt-out clause um, that could be mutual because then if Debo Samuel wants out, you get a new contract, then you can extend something then. Then if the 49ers want out because of uh, so-called issues, like you said, when players get older, you can uh, cut ties there. I thought that that could be uh, something that uh, I think the 49ers probably wanted that originally. I don't know if that's going to happen now. It might be a a straight up three-year deal. The only difference is I'm interested in the guaranteed money then because it might be three guaranteed years worth of contract then, or it might be a four-year deal where three years of it is guaranteed because one thing is, um, like, uh, I see Niner Sickness podcast saying four years, which will be five. I don't think that's true. I think it's going to be, uh, like, if it's a, or actually, no, he's right. If it's if, if it's an extension that kicks in next year, then it's like that. But if an extension that kicks in, I, I think it will kick in next year, right, with the signing bonus and everything elevating this year's contract. So it'll essentially be a four-year deal then. But the opt-out clause will be after that third year. It'll be a four-year deal. Uh, but a three-year, like the opt-out after that third year. So I think it will be a shorter deal than I originally predicted just based on how the other contracts have gone and because Samuel is already 26 years old. There you go. All right, sweet. Perfect. Well, Rohan, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and talking training camp with us. I know you've been out there grinding all day, even yesterday too, man. Uh, I've been joining your spaces, watching your show to find out what everything what's going on in training camp. So really appreciate you coming on and sharing your thoughts and what you think so far. Um, and yeah, and I'm hoping uh, we could get another show going possibly next week if you're available. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely link up. Thank you both for having me on. It's been a pleasure to talk again with you, Brandon, and to meet you, Dion. I've definitely watched some of your stuff um, when you've been in collab. So uh, nice to meet you both, and yeah, uh, we'll we'll figure it out. Uh, and yeah, sorry, sorry if you watch some of my stuff. I'm a little crazy, man. you know, <laughs> get a little ballistic at times. So you know, I'm rapid uh, fire with it. But hey, man, um, continue to continue to grind out there. And while you out there, man, please throw your channel out. Like when you out there uh-huh. with the people, hell, don't be don't be. Sh- look, man, turn around, look. Okay, you see this face right here? My name is Rohan, <laughs> baby. I'm I'm the flyest cat out here. <laughs> You got to throw you got to throw that Bay Area swag on them, man. Make sure they know, you know what I'm saying? And when they come and they, oh, can I get your number? Now, baby, subscribe to the channel. Don't worry about it. Subscribe to the channel. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you got to do it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but before we uh, head out, uh, let me just go over my um, – God, I can't think. I didn't want to blink right now. All right, just go over to my YouTube channel. Uh, it's YouTube.com. Backshots for the podcast. Hit that like. Subscribe button. Really appreciate it. We're trying to get to 500 subscribers at least, and we'll do a giveaway of one of our gears. Uh, if you haven't yet already, go over to our Twitter page at FFPod49. Instagram spelled all the way out is Forever Faithful Podcast. We also have a Twitch, twitch.tv backslash Forever Faithful Podcast. And give us a like on Facebook, facebook.com backslash FFPod49. Um, I think that'll do it for us tonight guys um our sickness says rohan thank you for what you're doing in training camp and sharing with us everything that is going on even though i'm not there i feel like i i'm there watching it through your eyes thank you man <laughs> that's but, what we do we look at vicariously through you man yes see, I'm five, exactly. see, you said you see you said you six two i'm five foot six i definitely live vicariously through you because i would love to be six two <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the Lord just blessed me with five foot six. So that's all I got. That's all I can work with. <laughs> yes, sir. Once again, guys, 
hit that like subscribe button. I really appreciate it. We're still trying to grow here. We've been here over a year now, second season in with this podcast, and we'll be continuing to get more guests on and having uh, great shows throughout the season. So uh, until next time, guys, go Niners. Go Niners.